Hi, <laughs> welcome to the DC Comics News Podcast. Yes, we're back. Please do not adjust your headphones. I'm British. My name's Steve J. Ray, and with me is Brad. Hey, guys. Uh, reviewer for Black Lightning and the various news stories for DC Comics News. Joe? Hello, everybody. I'm Joseph Marcus. I'm the news editor for DC Comics News. And Seth. Hey, everybody. This is Seth. I'm a reviewer for DC Comics News. And we're back again after the shenanigans and fun we had last week. And this week, we're starting again with movie news. Lots of exciting stuff, guys. First of all, it's official. After Jason Momoa rounded around the halls of Warner Brothers and said we have no idea what's coming, now we know what's coming. Aquaman 2 has a release date. Chaps, um, what do we think about that? I... (laughs) I'm excited that they kept it around Christmas uh, like they did for the first one. Uh, Right now, it's a little far out because they're saying 2022. Uh, So it's kind of hard to see what it's going to be going up against because we don't know really what's going on with the Star Wars franchise or Marvel movies and things like that. Uh, But I like that it's around Christmas, and I think that uh, they should go with it full steam ahead, hit while the iron's hot. Yeah, um, you actually touched on what I was thinking, too. I think uh, having it in on Christmas is great. It's around the same time that this movie came out. Um, I find it interesting that they're kind of setting the date so early. I think they're letting people know, hey, kind of get out of our way. And, and be curious to see what else opens up that weekend. Um, you mentioned Star Wars. Star Wars might be coming out. I... You know, they say that Disney's going to have a live-action movie coming around that same day. So my guess would probably be Star Wars, but obviously they haven't announced that yet. But that would be very interesting if it's Aquaman going heads up against a Star Wars movie. Like, that will be a huge box office fight. Seth, what do you think? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I like it when there's that commitment when you set a date. And I was intrigued by the uh, announcement that there was like only one other contender going up against it, which was the Disney uh, live action that uh, Joseph was just talking about. And then just because it caught my eye, I loved that there was this little notation that also said that there was going to be a horror pick spinoff centered around the trench that was sort of folded into that article. And that just made me think, wow, they're already committing to the idea that this is going to do so well in its um, role as a sequel that there's already talk about having a spinoff coming off of it as well, which means for me that the franchise has this great momentum going for it. And uh, it's hard to beat that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Aquaman, it it blew everything else out of the water, pardon the bun. It it just did really, really well. Um, The horror trench movie. um, I'm still not too sure about that one, but if they handle it well, great. But if the sequel's half as good as the first Aquaman movie, yeah, I'm all in. I'm invested. So on the whole, is it a thumbs up for that idea from everybody? Yep. And Absolutely. You know, with the trench, you know, James Wan is pretty much a master of horror at this point. Yes. So uh, having his input makes me, you know, a lot optimistic, you know, for what the trench movie could possibly be. If they you know, get but- him to direct, hell yes. Yeah, You know, I'm going to go out on a limb and kind of make a prediction for the trench. And I'm going to say that the trench is going to be 
like the movie Aliens, but underwater. And what I mean by that is I think they're going to create, come up with some sort of team, possibly a team of superheroes or, you know, some mercenaries or some other characters in the DC universe. And for some reason, they have to go down into the trench. And then all of a sudden you have kind of a, a horror movie, basically. Uh, and where this team has to go and deal with like all these trench creatures, very similar to aliens, but obviously nothing has been announced still years away, but I'm just going to go ahead and predict. Why aren't we writing these films guys? Seriously, <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that movie. <laughs> Absolutely. I would. And that does actually lead nicely onto the story that Aquaman two may actually include Aquaman's, other team, his non-Justice League team, the others, the Atlantean super team, um, that has got me excited because, again, seeing this new wave of lesser-known characters could be a shot in the arm of, of, of fresh blood for the DC movie franchise. So, Brad, what do you think about that bit of news? Uh, I think it's it's uh, very interesting. Uh, given the source of the news was a uh, Twitter account... Uh, it was called Aquaverse that predicted that, you know, going back to the trench, that the trench would be in Aquaman and mm-hmm. it made some pretty good predictions of the first one. So we might be onto something that's a little more than a rumor at this point, even though, like we said, 2022 is a long way out kind of, so there could be a lot of room for changes, but um, I guess my question would be is how big of a part are they going to play in it? Would it be like a cameo or would it be a more active role? So uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, I think it's very interesting that they're already kind of planning a team-based movie around Aquaman. I think that they're obviously they're trying to elevate Aquaman. I think they might be looking at, you know, kind of what Marvel did with Iron Man. Maybe they would like to do that. Obviously, they would love to do that with Aquaman, kind of elevate him into the status of kind of the A-tier of characters at DC. Uh, so I think the best way to do that is to have him in charge of his own team um, and kind of f- flesh that world out a little bit more. And I mean, I'm looking forward to it. If whenever it comes out, that sounds like a great idea. I, again, it's just, I mean, who would have thought that Aquaman would be, you know, where he is now. Seth. Yeah. And uh, I think that the thing that really catches me with this, uh, I love, the points that have been made so far about how this can work really well for Aquaman. I also feel like it's a nice idea for a model if DC can build it, where we start defining some of these characters like Aquaman, who we've known have been members of the Justice League and have played a kind of a foundational role when it comes to who are the DC comic book heroes. But I almost think that by giving him this cast of the others to sort of round out different elements about who he is as a leader as a teammate instead of uh trying to do that through something as big as the justice league by doing something smaller with these uh characters the others that it might be less of a risk also maybe a better way of kind of building the identity of aquaman so that later when we do have a team up with another bigger name like uh wonder woman she's already had her development where we saw um you know her early war hero team, maybe a future team in 1984. And through that, we get this uh, strengthening of these characters so that that's already established when they team back up again in the future. 
But Steve, I'd be curious to hear what you had to say about all this. No, those are awesome takes. I couldn't agree more. The fact that we're getting to see something new, something different that new fans can invest in. Because the trouble with the big three, as much as I love them, as much as I adore Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, the more well-known characters, there's so much emotional baggage, I guess, tied to all of them, where people have got this ownership of the characters that anything anyone does with them, someone's going to think, no, that's wrong. No, I don't agree with that, whatever. But when you get characters like Aquaman and Flash and Cyborg, um, new fans can invest in them and say, yeah, that's my guy. That's my hero. She's the one I want to watch. So having others in the trench and new branches to climb on this DC tree will just make everything a lot more interesting, I think. Definitely. And uh, on the notice of branching out and adding things, um, what do you guys feel about the fact that everything's pointing to several baddies in Matt Reeves' Batman, the Batman, whatever it's called this week movie? Brad? Well, like I mentioned last week, to me, Batman is only as strong as his villains. Like, that's my, especially when it comes to, you know, movies or TV, I, you know, I really want a good, strong villain. So I'm all for four villains, but as long as they each get their fair shake like at least you know i want them all to be developed and i hope that one of them is going to be the penguin and signs are pointing that it will be now i i I always thought it was time for that character to kind of be reinvented on film and tv and i i think robin lord taylor is doing a great job on gotham but i would like to see uh you know i'd like to see penguin back on the big screen, taken seriously. Uh, Christopher Nolan said that he tried the idea of trying to get Penguin, but he just couldn't get it to work. And I think that there could be a really good, cool way to get the Penguin to work as an on-screen villain, uh, you know, in a more grounded Batman movie. Not that we're thinking that the Batman will necessarily be a grounded Batman movie, but I I, I just want to I'm all for the Penguin being reinvented and coming back on the big screen. Joe? Yeah, I think for me, I don't see too much of a problem with the Batman movie having four villains. Um, I don't know if it's possible to have four fully fleshed out villains, though. Um, I think that can be very tricky. I can imagine a scenario where, for example, if you guys remember, uh, like Crossbones, he came out very briefly in... I believe it was the second Avengers movie right at the beginning. I could see something like that where you would have, you know, maybe, I mean, I don't want to say, I mean, it's just maybe a smaller villain, a lower tiered villain kind of opening up the movie. And then it goes into maybe it's a team up. I mean, you could have, it's just coming to my head. You could have a Mothman Firefly (laughs) intro to the movie. Uh, you would have, and then you can kind of, you know, Batman deals with that, and then it goes into like the main villain, where you could have two others. Um, I could see something like that. I just think if you try to introduce four villains and really flesh them out, it's going to be really tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think, Seth? Yeah, I'm. I'm curious about that. Just hearing all these different ideas, you know, that I haven't considered yet, and also the fact that. Um, I wonder at some point if it couldn't be used, just it just came to me as you were finishing your 
uh, Firefly. Um, as soon as you said Firefly, I thought, what about a gauntlet? What about the idea of having one at the top and the other three holding whatever the piece is? And in order to get to whatever he needs, he goes through the three to the fourth. Or all four have the pieces to something, and that's the only way he can get to whatever he needs to. In which case, there would have to be an equal division of time and a way of engaging. But yeah, how they're going to work it out, I mean... I'm sure that at some point, thinking about expediency, thinking about efficiency, unless you really want to try and do a three-hour epic, um, is going to have to come into play. And how they're going to puzzle it out. Um, I love the examples that have been described so far. I'm hoping that I come up with something better than my gauntlet idea. And Steve, I'm not putting any pressure on, but what do you think? Kite man. Hell yeah. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. In all seriousness. <laughs> you know, I, I was, was thinking thing. <laughs> <laughs> After the war so of jokes that. and riddles. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? That, that's the kind of thing I was thinking that you get the one main villain. Again, I, I'm with Brad on this. I want to see a real life gang lord, kingpin type of penguin. Someone who rules a criminal empire from his casino lounge, pulling strings and, and making everything work around him. And if the other villains are his henchmen, his people that Batman has to fight through, because Matt Reeves is saying he wants to write and make a Batman as a detective story, which is something we desperately need. He's the world's greatest detective, but honestly, how much of that have we seen on screen? Um, if they can do that, yeah, like you say, Seth, pieces to the puzzle. He's got to get through these people to 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 get to his goal, to to succeed in his mission. So if they do it like that, and like you say, Joe, flesh the characters out. I do want to see a villain full of sorry, a movie full of villains, just for the sake of having a movie full of villains. They've got to play their part. They've got to be necessary. They've got to gel into the story i mean the story is key and with matt reeves and what he's done with his planet of the apes movies they've definitely got a fantastic director he knows how to direct action he can handle cgi he can handle actors um if they do it properly great if it's another ugh, batman and robin with yeah, bane, Fleet yeah. and bane and poison uh, ivy woodrow yeah, and too much it, it, it was bane just, and batman and robin was just so terrible yeah. Uh, it and wasn't if, what I don't want. That's, it wasn't Bane. It was brain dead. It was awful. <laughs> Absolutely. I thought it was just a balloon. I mean, <laughs> right? Wasn't it just like an inflatable kind of toy? Um, not to be mean. Not to be. Okay, I'm being mean. That's just me. But I will add just on because of how you were mentioning the, the need for a detective. And the last time I remember a detective is Keaton. You know, the first puzzle that he had to solve was how are the Joker's chemicals killing people? And it was after he put together the puzzling of once you use certain combinations of deodorant and hairspray or this and that. That's the last time I remember seeing, you know, something that felt like anything close to real detective work from a Batman shown on uh, the big screen. Absolutely. Uh, apart from the tiny little bit where they had to reconstruct the bullet with the, the 3D imaging technology to get the Joker's fingerprint off it in uh in Dark Knight. But again, that's one scene out of three movies. So, yeah, Batman is a detective. Is a must, and yeah. things that are fleshed out are, are a must, I think. And just to add on, I felt like almost that was like a tech toy moment more than a detective moment. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Batman's villains, I mean, his rogues gallery, second to none, the best villains ever. And a lot of them 
are obviously part of the Suicide Squad. And this week we had some fairly sad news that due to scheduling conflicts, we will not be seeing Will Smith in the Suicide Squad helmed by uh, James Gunn. And uh, Brad, uh, how do you feel about that piece of news? Uh, uh, you know, I don't think, I mean, I like Will Smith, but I don't think he necessarily carried the first Suicide Squad. Um, I don't know if he was all that necessary as Will Smith, you know. Uh, in fact, they, they're saying that they might replace Deadshot with a different character instead of recasting. So I would, personally, I think it would be cool if they could bring Deadstroke yeah. into that. Uh, I'd be all for that. Uh, I wish Will Smith luck, but I don't think he's needed, especially when we got James Gunn on board. I can't wait to see what he does with the franchise. Joe? Yeah, I I, I agree. I To be honest, when I heard the news, I wasn't, well, I wasn't really surprised all that much. I think Will Smith was, I don't know, it just after the, uh, the critical reception of the movie, I think he was ready to move on. Um, I do like that Deathstroke idea, though. I think that'd be really cool. Um, again, I, I kind of like the redesign of Deadshot in the movies. Um, to be honest, I'm not a big fan of the costume in the comics, so I really like the redesign in the movie. Um, in terms of changing the character, I mean, Suicide Squad, I mean, that's what the book does all the time. You have characters coming in and out, so it wouldn't be that weird to have a different character step in and kind of give them an opportunity to shine. Uh, I think at the end of the, end of the day, though, it really comes down to uh, Margot Robbie and her Harley Quinn is is she going to be in the movie or not and if she's not then they really gotta come up with something big to replace her uh, what do you think Seth yeah when I think immediately about Suicide Squad I have to follow up on Joseph's comment you know and you state it so clearly what's the value behind the Suicide Squad it's that it's a rotating cast it's always about who is put together in this combination to, you know, complete whatever the task is. And having Deadshot move out is a perfect opportunity, not only for DC to bring in um, new characters that we haven't seen portrayed on screen, uh, but also look at what's happened with Harlequin since Margot Robbie and Suicide Squad 1. We've got a spinoff, which is an opportunity to see which other characters have that kind of great audience reaction appeal engagement to set up another opportunity like that or to maybe give us clues as to more mystical slash other venues, characters that maybe DC hasn't had an opportunity or believe they had an audience to actually start showing on the big screen. But Steve, I know you've got something to add. Oh, it has to be Deathstroke. We need Slade Wilson, especially as they've cast the guy, a great actor, Joe Manganiello. He's appeared in costume at the end of Justice League. We know Ben Affleck's out. We're never going to see Ben Affleck's Batman against Jared Leto's Joker or against Jam Anginella's Slade Wilson. So, dude, if he's not going to get his own film, put Deathstroke in the Suicide Squad as the new um, marksman, the new guy with the guns. Because if anyone can outshoot, outfight Deadshot, it's Deathstroke. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do think that. Deadshot has been an integral part of the Suicide Squad since right back to New 52. He's been in a team constantly. I do not want them to recast Deadshot. 
I think Will Smith did a really decent job. And like I say, the redesign of the costume was awesome. So if they're going to replace him, get another character in there. And yeah, Deathstroke was uh, made to, to fit that role, I think. Absolutely. Would everyone agree? Absolutely. Yep. 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 Agreed. Agreed. And on the DCU as it was, um, one bit of news that has got me happy is it looks like Ezra Miller will be playing The Flash in his own film as a new producer has been announced. Um, is that due to the success of Aquaman, guys? What does everyone think about that, Brad? I, I think it might play a part uh, because I really think that they need to, and they realize it, that they need to get focused and really get the production on track. So bringing in a new producer, if that gets it done, then then uh, get to work. That's what I say, because I want to see Flash on the big screen. So Michael Disco, the new producer, get the job done. Great name. Yeah. yeah. Michael Disco, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's just right now DC is kind of in this state of they're kind of correcting course, if you will. They're just getting everything just set up and lined up, and the Flash is a big part of it. I think right now the Flash is still kind of on the back burner a little bit. If anything, it's going to be a few years before we get a Flash movie. Um, probably I could see maybe a 2022, 23. Um, I think they got a lot more movies coming up or they can just push production up and just be really aggressive uh, considering they're just, you know, it's kind of the movie has been floundering all over the place. Um, But I am excited to see a new producer kind of just come in and hopefully can come in and just take the reins and just like, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to do this quick and we're going to do this well and we're going to get everything right on track. Uh, So I'm really excited to see how that turns out. Uh, What do you think, Seth? I'm not really sure where to fall on this one, to be honest, Joe. I, uh, I, I, I like that there's the desire to keep putting new developments in print so that we can feel that things are progressing on some or at some speed with Flash. Uh, I tried to just because I was curious about the fact that, yeah, with a cool name like uh, Michael Disco, like who are you and what, what should I know about you? And when I just kind of took a look at the projects he's been involved with, the two that caught my attention were Game Night, and which is a more recent kind of family fun kind of idea. Mm-hmm. And then also, he's not that into you. And um, what I was intrigued by that one is that also kind of a family um, romance project that didn't really do huge in box office, but it's interestingly got a cult following. And I don't know how those elements could play into bringing him into uh, a role as producer on The Flash. But just noticing that those were some of the the bigger projects that he's worked on that stood out for me, I couldn't help but think, is there some element of family or something else that he's bringing to the project that is necessary for something like The Flash, which is established even in just the Justice League? How important his relationship with his father, the loss of his mother, and how much that really needs to be sort of central to uh, the character. But then again, maybe Steve knows something more than I do. And, you know, I just like to hear him talk more about Michael Disco. (laughs) D-I-S-C-O, and the S stands for Speed Force. Um, (laughs) Honestly, I I, I think as the number one Flash fan of the team, Seth, um, your opinion is topmost on my list of, of opinions to listen to uh yeah he's done some 
creative producing, should we put it that way? And like I say, more comedy, family oriented or, or teen oriented. But the fact that he's had some success, and even though it's not commercially successful or critically acclaimed, the fact that he's got an audience in there, that that gets me quite happy because sometimes the directors you've not necessarily heard of or expect great things from are the ones who really deliver. I mean, look at James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I'm just happy we're getting a Flash movie because, again, he's one of those characters I just love and he deserves his time in the sun. But it's just really weird to me that in one aspect, Warner is saying, mm, we're getting away from the universe building. We're going to have solid director-led creative films. And then if we can visit the whole shared universe thing down the line, but then we've had Wonder Woman, we're getting a second Wonder Woman. We've had Aquaman, we're getting a second Aquaman. Now Flash is back on the cards. Are they pulling the wool over our eyes? I mean, that, that leads us to the whole story of DCEU as we know it may be ending, but are they just planting seeds that are going to grow at a slower pace and then surprise us all further down the line. Cause again, that makes me quite happy. Uh, Brad. Uh, you know, I mentioned Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy earlier, and I'm going to mention it again because those are three of the best superhero movies ever made, Without but question. they, and, but they kind of put DC behind the eight ball a little bit because those movies came out right when Iron Man, when, you know, when they were getting the MCU off the ground and those Batman movies were so successful and so their own world that it was really hard to try to get a DC cinematic universe going when those movies were such a cultural phenomenon. And so now that it seemed like DC, as much as I love them, was kind of playing catch up. And now, now they finally found what they're what these films are good at, and what these characters are good at. And and it is kind of in their own individual films. And you know, the audiences are still there. That's why Wonder Woman does so well. That's why Aquaman did so well. And they're good movies. So. I, I think that it's a good thing that they might be scrapping it or taking a step back from it in, you know, in the effort to get these good single character movies going because both Aquaman and Wonder Woman were so good. Joe, what do you think? I think it's wise to take a step back and pull away from the overall DC EU. I think it would be, I think it's good right now what's going on right now kind of you know each movie is still very much their own little franchise and you know not much there's not too much overlap between the different movies like you know like with wonder woman and aquaman um to say that i don't see a possibility of uh, kind of an extended universe or like a big you know team up movie down the line i wouldn't go that far i think they are thinking that way but i think it's best to kind of approach it organically, like let these characters have their own time for a little bit, let it grow, be patient, and then kind of leading up into a large movie. I, you know, one of the examples that I can throw out there and is, for example, like the Flash movie, the Flashpoint. You know, what's the, you know, what's one of the things that happens in Flashpoint? You have the Amazons going to war with the Atlanteans, mm -hmm. you know, and so what if maybe the third movie for Aquaman and Wonder Woman is tied into Flashpoint? 
now you have a movie with Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, and Ezra Miller. It's not every character in the DC universe, but it is, you know, two very big, you know, franchises kind of melding together. And maybe that can kind of be a touchstone into something even bigger down the line. Um, so I wouldn't go so far as to say that, you know, the DCU is over. I think it's just, you know, just take a step back and let things grow organically, like I said, and then we'll see what happens down the line. Um, what do you think, Seth? Yeah, I'm gonna gonna go ahead and pull out uh, my favorite sports analogy from an old TV show, and it's it says that the hardest thing that uh, any coach can do is to walk into the locker room at the halftime of Super mm. Bowl and throw out the entire plan that got that team to the Super Bowl in the first place, right? Yep. Because when you're losing and it's not working, you have to figure out a new way forward. And that's what's really facing DCEU right now. It recognized the failure of Batman versus Superman and Justice League to do that galvanizing thing to bring everyone together and then to provide a, a launching point forward, much like we saw happen with uh, Avengers. And when that didn't happen, then it's, okay, what do we do now? And that's where DCEU is right now. They're, they're in that process of understanding what's happened and figuring out a way forward right now their two best moments have come from wonder woman and aquaman and following uh you know the logic joseph just provided you have an organic opportunity down the road to bring in flash and uh gal gadot and jason momoa into this great opportunity for them to have this conflict or look for another organic opportunity that could arise depending on what characters are brought into Suicide Squad 2 or any other future projects. But recognizing when the audience tells you that something's working, instead of trying forcing something down their throats, which is really what it seemed like, you know, the, the lead up to Justice League uh, was doing, and even Justice League in many ways itself. But Steve, yeah. I'd like to hear how you can wrap this up no. a bit for us. Guys, yeah, I'm so in agreement. What, what Warner did with their interference and trying to run before they could walk, trying to catch up, when they should have just played it the way Marvel did. I mean, Marvel didn't run in and do Iron Man, Captain America, Avengers. No, no, they did Iron Man. They did Incredible Hulk. They did Captain America. They did Thor. Then they did Avengers. If they'd have stuck to the plan, had a Man of Steel, had a Batman movie, then we've seen what's happened with Wonder Woman. We've seen what happened with Aquaman. If they'd have done the Flash and then had the world threat of getting these guys together the way the Avengers did and spaced it out and done it properly rather than push it, push it, push it, they would have worked. And now they're going back. They're letting the directors do what they want to do. They're letting James Wan be James Wan. They're letting Patty Jenkins do what she wants with Wonder Woman. And it's working. Why? They're letting the artists be artists. They're letting them create. They're not getting the studios to interfere. And I mean, I don't know if you've seen the news today, guys, that one of the main photographers on Justice League said that film was, in his own words, butchered. Because Warner wanted their own Avengers out there. And oh, I love the Justice League comics, but that film, I've still only seen it twice. It was better on second viewing, but it was a film made by committee. No matter what it says on the opening credits, it's not a Zack Snyder movie. And well, <laughs> the internet's very vocal about that mm -hmm. so 
yeah, let the directors direct. And if it builds organically and then in a few years' time we get a real properly made Labour of Love Justice League movie, then I'll be happy. Um, but, you know, abracadabra, Shazam. Mm. On that note, uh, new trailer coming, number three. Um, I've liked the first two, but I just want to see the film now. Do we need more trailers? Brad? You know, I, I think we do because I don't think that we've gotten a lot of footage, especially of Mark Strong as Dr. Savannah. So I'm all excited. I, I'm down for a new trailer. And the movie is right around the corner, so I think it's a good time to even build up the hype more than it already is. Uh, you know, more more TV spots, more trailers. Absolutely. Joe? I want to see an extended trailer like the ones they show overseas. If you guys remember, they had the, the before Aquaman came out, they had, you know, the standard, you know, two minute trailer for American audiences. But overseas, they had like the extended, uh, you know, version that had the the uh, rooftop sequence. Um, I would love to see kind of an entire scene. I know it's I know a lot of people worry about spoilers. And that sort of thing, but I would just like to see something like that to kind of get like a real feel for it. Plus, it's great to show off to uh, people that aren't necessarily, you know, as plugged in as we are. So I always look forward to sharing that, you know, those kinds of trailers with other people. So, Seth? Yeah, I feel like this announcement almost is an echo to our conversation from last week, Joe. Um, I feel like one of the things that we really touched upon was there was a an element that was still really missing from the first two trailers that we've seen. And there were hints of it in each, but they hadn't really put the pieces together. They hadn't really fine tuned the recipe, use your description, fill in the blank, but it's not quite there yet. And I think the addition of a threat, say adding uh, the appearance of Mark Strong and maybe what, what his potential is, how he can sort of be that, that, equal that balance or that that counter to what uh to what shazam is trying to do and what this young hero is trying to become and maybe just that one other surprise element that that brings us in the way maybe uh groot did with guardians of the galaxy whether it's tawny the tiger or some other element of shazam's universe where as soon as you get that hint of it you go and that's magic right there there's the magic. But, Steve, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, like you said last week, we need that one iconic shot of the character. We need, like, Batman crashing through a skylight, like Superman shooting up into the sky, like Wonder Woman bullets bouncing off her bracelets and Aquaman stepping out of that waterfall in his full armour. We need that iconic shot of shazam in his full superheroic glory and if we get that right at the end of a nice long meaty trailer with some substance thumbs up absolutely that that's the way forward so on that note i think we've come to the end of our movie news but before we jump into the tv and streaming news here's a word from our sponsor hey there everybody this is josh rayner editor-in-chief of dc comics news are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, 
you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's D-C-N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that, uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. Right, we're back again. Thanks for joining us. And now we're going to talk TV. I talk TV. Do you guys talk TV? Bar weep, grana weep, ninny bong. Titans has found its <laughs> Superboy. Brad, what do you think? Uh, you know, I'm not familiar with the actor's work, but I'm glad that he's going to be playing Connor and not Clark Kent. You know, Titans, you would have to play Connor, but I'm glad they didn't try to, to squeeze uh, Clark Kent into it although i do wonder since he is going to be connor is he going to be a clone how are they going to and how are they going to treat the idea of superman in titans because titans is a little bit of a darker show so how they deal with uh with superman is my my question going into season two joe yeah so you know, when I, while I was getting ready for this uh, podcast, there was actually a story on CBR today. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but this actor, Joshua Orpin, I hope I'm getting his name right. Um, he posted a picture on his Instagram and the picture was of him. It was kind of like his back. He's wearing a black shirt and it's got a yellow S taped on to the back. Mm. And it was kind of an homage to a classic uh, a Superboy cover from Tom Grimmett and Carl Kessler's The Adventures of Superman 501. And that really kind of stood out to me. I was like, okay, like, you're obviously a fan of the comics. I mean, that is a kind of uh, a deep cut to kind of reference, a, you know, that cover that's been kind of used a couple of times. And the actor himself, he's pretty young. I think I, I looked up and he's only 24 years old. So, you know, 24 years old. So that's perfect for a high schooler, you know, the way it works in, the, in Hollywood. So... Yeah, I, th- I think it's great that they're going with a young actor, kind of, you know, a little bit of, you know, unknown actor, uh, just so people can't necessarily, you know, they won't recognize them and, you know, say, oh, no, you know, they can go in these, you know, debates back and forth. It's like, no, 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 that's not my Superboy. I, I think, uh, you know, I think he looks great. Um, I'm sure there'll be some test footage, you know, so hopefully soon, you know, just him kind of... Uh, you know, getting into character for the show, but you know the fact that he's on IG already, kind of embracing the character. I, I think he's got a really good attitude, and I think that will come to light once he's on the show. Seth, what, what did you think? Yeah, I'm curious about the actor himself, just to see how he portrays. But the first thing that I thought of is, as soon as I heard this news, was we need this. We we need Superboy to be cast. And we need to know that that part's moving because the the tease was just too good. And I remember when I was at the uh, Comic-Con last month up north in uh, Concord, I saw a young guy, couldn't have been more than like 20, 22, um, wearing a black Superman t-shirt, all ripped up and bloody makeup on his face. And just remind me of, uh, you know, a quick flash to, you know, that Connor getting all beat up in infinite crisis or other times where he really had to go toe to toe with somebody and how he had just that passionate heart. And I felt that there was something about Connor 
where you always had the challenge between Superman and Luther, the, the, the human trying to aspire to the superhero level and the superhero trying to have the best understanding of humanity possible. And those two forces combined in Connor. And that's a character I will always want to see. And knowing that he's here just means for me, we're moving forward with Titans in a really strong direction that I can't help but support. And given what you just said, Joe, I feel that I'm encouraged by this actor and his relationship to the character and his willingness to understand the history to that degree and to that extent to pull that deep cut. And Steve, I'm curious to see what you might have read into this. Oh, you guys just make me so happy. Everything you've said, 100% totally agree. Connor Kent, for me, is Superboy. I mean, yeah, I'm older than you guys. I grew up with Clark Kent as Superboy. I had the Legion of Superheroes. But as soon as they did the, the amazing Death of Superman story and the four Supermen appeared, Superboy was my guy. He was like a guy more or less closer to, to my own age. I was a early late teens, early 20s back then. He was a teenager. He had these powers. He was trying to be cool. He had the leather jacket. But then he found out that He's only half Superman and the other half of him is human. And that just made him all the more real, all the more believable. And this year could be the renaissance year for Connor Kent. I mean, obviously, Young Justice has come back for a third season. Mm -hmm. The Young Justice comic book series has brought him back. And, oh, I want to kill the, the, the creators of this comic because there he is. Last page of issue one. Connor, you're back. You're alive. Great. Issue two. Not a word. Mm, yeah, what I noticed are you doing that too. To me, guys? And now they cast the guy who is ripped out of the pages of a comic. He looks like he'd make an amazing Superboy. And Joe, yeah, that shot with him pointing to his back and the leather jacket and the yellow S symbol. And I don't know if you noticed as well, he's also shaved the sides and the back of his hair just like Superboy had back then in that image. Oh, I didn't um, notice that. Yeah, check, check the picture again. He, he's gone full out. Like you say, this guy's done his research, or like us, he loves the source material. He's a comic book fan. That tease at the end of the final episode of Titans just made me so happy. Cadmus, Superboy, Crypto, amazing. Now, going back to what you said about Superman, Titans season one was all about Dick Grayson escaping from the shadow of the Batman. And the last episode was pure Bat, Magic, Batcave, Arkham, Gotham, Terror, Joker, awesome. If we get a slight tease with Superman in this season and the final episodes, Clark, Connor, whatever way, shape or form, I am invested. Absolutely, I'm in there. So, staying on Titans, um, Another clone or another new version. Um, it's not James Olsen from Supergirl, but we might be getting Guardian in Titans as well. So are we going to see Jim Harper? Or who is this Jack guy? Brad, would you, are you a Guardian fan? Uh, I am. I am. And I, I mentioned last week how I really like that we're at this era that we can see characters like Stargirl or like the Guardian in a live action setting. And the Supergirl Guardian always seemed a little bit forced. Uh, so I hope this is a little more organic. And, you know, at this 
they they say that he's going to be a reoccurring role. So, you know, I, I just hope that he has a, a big role to play in the season. Uh, but I think he would fit in pretty well with the tone of Titans. Joe? Yeah, I saw the uh, casting breakdown for this. And to be quite honest, uh, you know, people are speculating that this Guardian, and I was like, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm just not too sure if it's that character. I, I think I'm kind of more, um, have more of a wait-and-see attitude when it comes to this. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it is Guardian, um, but I'm just kind of, I just kind of want to hold off judgment a little bit when it comes to this. I mean, it is just a casting call. Um, who knows what they're going to get. Maybe they might go in a different direction. Who knows? Uh, Seth? Well, I can understand, you know, with the generic qualities that they point out in the casting call, how it can be difficult to to directly pin this as being Guardian. But logically, Guardian makes sense as the selection for, uh, or as a character to come out of what we've learned uh, about Connor. Remember, Connor came from Cadmus, as did Guardian, clone, clone. And I also feel that this is an opportunity to touch on um, some of what... Um, both Joe and Steve have been saying about the origin points that they want to draw from when it comes to Connor. If we're looking at those early, right after death of Superman times, there was also a lot of emphasis placed on the subterranean creatures that existed then, which later came out in young justice as well. But there was a whole world that could be tapped into and Connor and guardian are the entry points into that. Not only that, but so much of the, the characters and politics that existed are factors in all of the work that Luther is trying to do with Cadmus and the scientists he has working for him. And there's so much potential available there. Guardian for me just seems like it would be the natural direction to go if you wanted to really tap into that vein. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're both right. There is a case of putting the horse before the cart. This is just a casting call. They've cast the guy. They don't know who he's been cast as. But like you say, with Superboy appearing and Cadmus, you can't really have that organization and Superboy without having Guardian and Double X and everything that goes with it. Like I say, Young Justice is a clear example of that where they've relied heavily on the source material. They've gone back to the comics, which to me is the way they need to proceed. So if it's Guardian, great. If it isn't, well... Who's to say Double X doesn't have a uh, morphine-inducing device that makes him look human and Jack is his human side when he's not the psychic guy at Cadmus? So it could be anybody, but Guardian will work. Guardian is part and parcel of that whole Superboy mythos. Um, So whichever way they go, they seem to be picking some great actors for these shows. They seem to be picking some great writers for these shows. DC Universe has made me very, very happy so far. I love Titans. Three episodes in, Doom Patrol is is really killing it. Um, CW's got some catching up to do as far as I'm concerned. But uh, on that note, with Batwoman going into production now and having already seen Ruby Rose in one episode, we know who her dad's going to be. We spoke about that last week. We know who her main nemesis is going to be. It's actually happening now, guys. So... As the hugest Batman fan in the world, I am very happy to see what happens with that show. So, Brad, what do you think about the uh, Batwoman's news? 
Yeah, I'm I'm happy about it too. Uh, you know, I think that Ruby Rose was born to play the role. Uh, she loves playing it, looks the part. Uh, I just really hope that the pilot's enough that they pick it up for a whole season. And I kind of hope, uh, in a way, that it's not a 20 episode season, but more a 13 episode season. I yeah. think that I really think the shows work better on the 13 or 12 or you know that level range of episodes instead of the 20. Uh, it just it's it's too spread out. The you know there's too many filler episodes. So I hope it's a tight 13 episodes for season one. But I hope it gets picked up. Joe. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The Having the I think the CW shows suffer from that. I think they suffer from having way too many episodes. I'd like to see things kind of tightened up a little bit, just especially for a new show. Just give them an opportunity to kind of start and you know really present like a you know a certain number of characters and you know let them grow and spend some time with them before you start really branching out. That's one of the things I liked about uh, Black Lightning. Um, you know, it's very much, it was kind of, you know, the first couple episodes are very tight. It's not really, you know, and they're also, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of stepping away from, like, general Arrowverse. Um, so I would like to see Batwoman, you know, like you said, like you said, the season hasn't been ordered yet. I would love to see it be picked up, but I also want them to shorten it, tighten it up, and kind of like the same thing where you take a step back away from the Arrowverse and just kind of let us spend time in Gotham, let's not worry about you know mid-season crossover episode with Flash and Arrow and Supergirl. Just kind of all right. Let's just hone in on Batwoman. Uh, that's what I would love to see. Uh, Seth, what would you like to see? You know, the great thing about a conversation with you guys is the way it gets the thought process going. And as soon as I heard what both you and Brad had to say, Joe, I came across one thing that really just stuck with me, authenticity. Mm. And I'm really looking forward to hear what Steve's going to say about this too, because that's the number one Batman fan. You know, I know he has plenty to weigh in on here. But when you pointed to Black Lightning, as soon as you said that example, that's the word that came to mind to me was authenticity. Black Lightning did something where it established itself completely outside of the Arrowverse. It created its own identity I mean, its theme song alone had that great introduction. Last night I saw a superhero. He was black. He said, Black Lightning's back. Mm. From that moment, you set a tone and an expectation. And everything about this was, this is our story. This is a story about um, this town, uh, this community, and everything it's facing all in one shot. If Batwoman does that same degree of Batman is something we can talk about later. Batwoman is who we're talking about right now and establishes her identity being her world. That for me is really where it's going to come down to, okay, we, we've, we've made contact, we've got great traction, and now we've got you know this sort of great starting position. And it's the authenticity that I'm really going to be looking for. That sense that Batwoman is completely defined by who she is, that Ms. Kane is a woman defined by all the things that make her who she is, and that that, that tone is present from the first step all the way until the first credit. Steve, what are you looking for? Because as you said, you are the, uh, the biggest Batman fan here. 
Well, first of all, for everything you just said, can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah. 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 Three of you have said. Um, The thing with the Arrowverse shows, apart from possibly Legends of Tomorrow, because again, that usually does get 15, 16 episodes rather than the 22, 23, is that when you get that many episodes, you're going to get several that only have brief appearances from the main cast. You're going to get filler episodes to let the actors catch a break. With the shorter seasons, every episode is full. And that's never been more clear than with the, the last and current season of Gotham, where every single episode is a roller coaster train that's driving the story forward and is absolutely killing it. So, yeah, I want a great pilot. I want a dark, gritty, earthy, non sci fi, non polished, non glitzy world. I want Batwoman fighting crooks getting her knuckles dirty i want to see visceral action i want to see her as an ex-soldier i want to see her father being a complete uh tyrant over her and and, and training her to be the badass that she is so yeah realism coherence sticking to the source material absolutely i i could not agree more with everything you guys so it's like we're, we're we're all singing off the same sheet here and uh cw if you're listening if you're looking for writers uh all our contact details will be there at the end of the show um so um he's a nasty piece of work but i love him constantine finally it seems like after hits and misses cancelling his show after 13 magnificent episodes uh, an animated movie made up of the uh CWC shows and his stellar performances in Legends. We are going to be getting Matt Ryan as Constantine, fellow Brit, all round, not good guy. Um, I'm happy about this. Brad, what do you think? Uh, I couldn't be happier. Uh, Matt Ryan has kept his portrayal of that character around by the sheer force of will between the animated shows. And it's really his performance, I think, that that keeps people caring about him because he did such a good job that people just wanted to see him keep going, even if the show, you know, didn't do what uh, the network thought it was going to do. So Matt Ryan, thank you for sticking around and (laughs) I'm happy to have you back, Joe. I love Constantine. I love this character. He's definitely one of my favorites in the DC universe. And Matt Ryan is just, I mean, he's terrific. And like you said, the his sheer force of will has kept his character around. I, I had the opportunity to uh, to see him at a press roundtable uh, about a year ago, last year's WonderCon, and he was, um, and he is Constantine. He's very charismatic, just really just takes over a room. And I can see why, I, I can totally see him just, you know, on set, just kind of he, his his charisma just comes across and it comes across naturally and it, it definitely comes across in this character. So the idea of another Constantine show, I, you know, I watched the the, the show on NBC. I watched the show around. I've seen him in the uh, cameos and, you, you know, in, the, in Legends, um, but I really would like to see him in a more darker setting. And I think you know, CW, they could go dark, but, you know, I think I saw online the the idea of possibly having him in the uh, DC universe, um, yes. part of that stable of TV shows. 
um, especially after Doom Patrol and Titans, they've kind of really set a really dark tone in a good way uh, for these shows. And for Constantine, I would love to see, you know, just really intense, you know, uh, content from this TV show and just have Matt Ryan just kind of quip in and just his charisma just comes off the screen. And, you know, another thing I heard online is just him, you know, possibly, you know, Swamp Thing's going to come out, you know, later this year. And to have what if he cameos in that, uh, I just, I really hope they bring that character. I, it's just hard for me to see them recasting Constantine. Like, I, I, I can't see that now. Like, Matt Ryan owns this character right now, in my opinion. Um, Seth, what do, you, what do you think about it? Over the moon just completely overjoyed i mean for starters everything matt ryan did as constantine brought me back to each episode just kind of drooling you know whether it was the way he fully embraced his incantations and made them feel real and earnest and passionate with the spittle flying and all of it uh to the I mean, he'll always be Mercutio to me, but Harold Perrineau, who played the angel, I'm sorry, that's my Romeo and Juliet connection with that guy. And and he's been so underused in so many ways, but seeing him, you know, in this great, I mean, he's got the gravitas. We were talking about mm-hmm. that last week about with Batman when you need someone like that, but his weight that he brings to the characters uh, that he brings to the story element that he's introducing, a war in heaven. I mean, these were concepts that were touched on. Not only that, but just a, a few of the things that they, they missed out. The development of Zed, who is just such a blessing by the time we had her added to the show. And we really had that great balance for Constantine, this other kind of uncontrollable force who just doesn't always like to listen to authority, much like him, younger than him, much more annoying. You just And also... Uh, I had to look up the actor's name to make sure I had it right, but Emma J. Scanlon, who is Jim Corrigan, and just for that, that moment, I mean, what he did in those moments as Corrigan made me yearn to just watch Guardians of the Galaxy, just so I could see him in that small big cameo he did in that. If only because with Corrigan, you're opening up that that door to the Spectre, right? So now mm. with the Spectre, now you've got that even stronger connection when you have that tie-in with the Swamp Thing. And yep. you've got the dark, right? So now you've got the DC Universe, which is embracing that darker side, clearly with the magic in Titans. You have this framework that suggests numerous organic possibilities, which is exactly what we said we really want to see from the DCEU. So the recognition, and just the last thing, sorry, I know I'm just ranting here, but no, no, this, you're this show... Great stuff. <laughs> this show spoke to me so much. It just... it it. It, it brought what I wanted to see that I missed from the Keanu Reeves performance. And then lastly, when they, they kept him around in those cameos, the fact that they didn't try and make his character palatable for, you know, uh, American homes or even, you know, uh, nuclear family homes or whatever a standard family home is, but instead they pushed it further. He's sexually curious. He's mm. he's having an affair with this woman. He's having an affair with this guy. And he's also, the way he just keeps making all of those great mistakes, the way that you just see Constantine screwing up and, and that that didn't change and that that part of him was kept whole and, and earnest and that that's what's going to be coming back. That was a thing of beauty. I, I can listen to you talk about that, about Constantine all day, because I feel the exact same way especially when it comes to mr ryan i mean let's face it matt ryan he gave us 
the cocky arrogance. He mm-hmm. gave us the bravado, the heroism, and also the weakness, the lack of confidence, the, the fear of failure. He embodied a real human being living in the craziest messed up world ever and that to me is the essence of Constantine I've got all the old Hellblazer books by Jamie Delano I watched Constantine appear for the first time in the pages of something and it was all touched on in his own show La Bujeria, the Invunche there was mention of the, of the Parliament of Trees in, in South America and we didn't see it and Corrigan the Spectre, Baron Winter's daughter I mean it's all ready to be milked to be to be brought to life to be breathe into into being and like you say with trigon and raven and with a swamp thing show coming up if we get a constantine show of the same ilk and level as as we have with titans and doom patrol and then mesh that with swamp thing oh man it would be nerdgasm infinity i'd be the happiest man in the world i mean by the sound of things we all uh, read Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run that introduced Constantine, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And what, yeah. What, what's a better comic than that? Uh, I mean, I mean, Constantine's effect, the fact that, I mean, I've rewatched the series now after hearing this. I've watched all 13 episodes. I've binged them. And I've forgotten how dark that show is. But yet he is the exact same character as he is in the CW seed and that he is on, on Legends of Tomorrow. And he's managed to balance that line i don't think any other actor could do it and i don't think i want to see anyone but matt ryan as constantine yeah i think dc just has their kind of their dark universe the the world of magic and the occult and all that i think dc that's kind of like one of their you know their strong areas um and and to see like you said the idea of just having the show and just diving into all these characters and all these storylines oh my goodness i you know i that that would just be incredible yeah i almost have this sort of like it's it's funny but he's like a magical phil colson he's got this ability to sort of cross Mm -hmm. between the different (laughs) series and yet still be this through line thread of something and we don't know what it is yet much like the colson character was just sort of like hi yeah, I don't worry. Just check it in. I'll be back. You know, this this sense of like Constant King, that's the thing that, that really he can walk between the walls. Mm-hmm. He can cross between those dimensions and he can bring them all together, whichever pieces he needs. It's really an opportunity to have every chance you want to tie mm-hmm. anyone together with magic. Yeah, Sorry, it's more charismatic really doing it. <laughs> Oh, a lot more characters. Oh, without question. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah let's, just, let's just sit that, put that on the record. <laughs> no, definitely. On top of the magical part, charisma. <laughs> He's the charismatic, magi- magical Phil Coulson. <laughs> He's the spine that, that could literally keep all those universes together. I mean, if we get him on DC Universe, um, and it's the same character that's appeared on the CW, then... Again, if they want to go down that road of crossover potential, that's going to multiply a thousandfold. I mean, Constantine is that character in the comics. Um, several of us recommended Justice League Dark last week as the comic book. Again, Constantine's a big factor in that in that series. So, I mean, his his influence is incredible. I mean, case in point, one of the next pieces of news is is Mark Shepard. Um, supernaturals crowley playing a character who was literally supposed to be constantine 
but DC wanted to keep Constantine Vertigo. They didn't want him in a DC book, so they created an all-new character who the legendary geek deity known as Mark Shepard will be playing in Doom Patrol. So, guys, what do we think about that piece of news? Brad? Oh, I think he'll be a great fit. Uh, Judging from his work on Supernatural, he should fit in perfectly uh into doom patrol and you know you're saying a connection to constantine as far as magic he apparently the character he'll be playing uses magic as well uh and he enlists the doom patrol to help fight a cult so yeah he should he should be a perfect fit for it i'm all for it joe yeah i might be upsetting uh some fans out there but i actually haven't seen supernatural uh (gasps) i know i know (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. Don't I apologize. Swear at me. I apologize to the <laughs> world, <laughs> but uh, so I'm not too familiar with this work. Um, but from what I've seen so far on Doom Patrol, just you know, I'm just really excited to see what they do with that show and bringing him aboard. I, I mean, I think it's it just has to be a good thing. I mean, what they did with Alan, I, I can't his last name Tudic. I, I I don't know if I'm saying his last name, but um, my hero. Yeah. Yeah, the guy that plays the uh, the villain on Doom on Doom Patrol to go from, you know, from powerless to, you know, Doom Patrol. It, it's it's a night and day shift, and you know, I just welcome seeing people coming into this universe and seeing what they can do. Uh, I just I can't say enough good things about Doom Patrol, so I, I'll just pass it on to Seth. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a common theme, I'm sure, right now for anyone who's been keeping up with the series and excited about developments like that. I it took me a minute. I'm Joe. I'm right there with you. So you're not alone. It's two v two. I also do not have not watched Supernatural. You know, we can uh, share the same jail cell then. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, and I was going to allow for a polish for booze, dodging a tomato or two. Um, but I'm shaking I my head vigorously with disappointment. <laughs> You know, you can't see it, but it's happening. I, I know you're doing it with respect, and that's why I love you even more. I for it. Hugs right back at you, Steve. <laughs> uh, what I do remember, though, is that is when I looked him up, his face stuck with me, and I remember him from Battlestar, and yes. I liked what I saw from him in Battlestar Galactica. So that alone gives me um, uh, one just uh, a note of okay, you've got credit in my book just from what I remember you from that and what I enjoyed seeing. And two, the opportunity to see uh, a, maybe a, a different version, essentially, of a Constantine portrayed on screen, maybe either an uglier one, a nastier one. Um, I like the description that was provided, you know, regarding how similar and yet also in small ways different he is from Constantine. But I think I think what's really going to make it is just this magical element, this sort of someone who can come along and, and poke in a way that might be different from the way Tudyk did, uh, where Mr. Nobody was was sort of revealing the flaws that we saw in um, in the characters recently. Realized I might just be going into spoilers in ways I didn't want to. But um, I, I think it'll be fun just to sort of see this sort of crass, magical character who clearly is going to disrupt what is already this not-yet-set chemistry in Doom Patrol. And a little bit of chaos among the, you know, hermit-like folk, it's going to make it fun. And I'm going to enjoy especially just hearing 
robot man freak out because lately when he does it (laughs) i just laugh my butt off you know what i mean (laughs) and i like it that everyone else looks at him like what are you freaking out about and he's like oh i'm sorry you know it's there's that sense of like he's us and uh i've really i really enjoyed the way that there's been that connection like audience if you're looking for that regular character to tap into here go ahead and just use this and i think he might be a fun uh, viewpoint to to take in uh, this Willoughby character, but but Stephen, uh, give us more, please. Well, as your resident eccentric Brit, um, I, I will literally watch Mark Shepard do a soup commercial. I don't care. He's <laughs> got more geek cred than just about any other actor. He's not just Battlestar, uh, Firefly. He's been in Doctor Who uh, episodes of Star Trek. He is like one of those guys, like Tudyk, who will appear and literally steal the show. He's one of those guys who just oozes slimy charisma. He could be like the, oh, God, Paul Heyman of uh, comic book TV shows. He's just great. Proper gravelly Londoner. Terrific actor. Um, Yeah, I am excited beyond excited. And to see... A probably even murkier, more Constantini Constantine um, just <laughs> gets me excited. I don't know why. I just like my dark, slightly um, less savory heroes. And I mean, this this guy's called Willoughby Kipling. Just the name alone evokes <laughs> cups of tea and eccentricity and strange ghosts and castles and everything that goes with it. And in a show like Doom Patrol, uh, where, again, Brendan Fraser's outbursts just rule. And Alan Tudyk's nobody is... Oh, his fourth wall breaking makes Deadpool like a complete amateur. It's just brilliant. So more of that on a show that's already... Uh, nuttier than a sack full of squirrel poop well i'm 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 all for it absolutely that was gorgeous thank you that was just just beautiful you you guys inspire me uh and obviously the inspiration to everything we talk about is the comics and the main comic book news this week is that we've had a, a little video trailer for a graphic novel based on hmm mirror Who's Mirror? The wife of Aquaman? Who's Aquaman? Aquaman, the guy who's actually taken the movies by storm? The guy who talks to fish? Really? A trailer for Mirror, guys. What do we think about that? Brad? Well, uh, the writer, Danielle Page, he's pretty big in the YA world. So I'm all for anything that gets people in comic shops and reading comics. And if that brings her fans in and they pick up the books and spread the word, go for it uh you know it's it's a little bit of a twilighty thing she i guess apparently mara originally is set to assassinate arthur curry but then falls in love so it's a very ya type plot but that old chestnut yeah yeah, that never happens but you know if it brings people into comic shops go for it joe yeah two things i think first off i the when I saw this uh, when I saw this story, the thing that really stood out to me is, first of all, that there was a trailer. Uh, there was a trailer for a book. Um, I don't know how often that happens. I don't think it ha- happens all that often. Um, but I was really encouraged by that. I think they're you know the fact that the book has a trailer means that they're really uh, 
marketing aggressively uh, with this book. And, you know, it is part of the, uh, you know, it's DC's kind of targeting of young adults audiences. So this book might not necessarily be for everybody, but I mean, just by looking at it, it just the 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 artwork. That was the second thing. The artwork just really grabbed my attention. I really like the way it looks. It doesn't look like, you know, traditional, you know, superhero, uh, you know, what we're used to seeing in a lot of books. And so the fact that it really stands out with its, you know, it's kind of very muted uh, color palette. Uh, it's not too strong. I really caught my attention. This is definitely something that, you know, I wouldn't have thought of picking up. But I think based off of that artwork, I definitely want to, you know, take a second look. And, you know, again, it, I don't expect, you know, kind of earth shattering uh you know, really big storylines, but that's okay. I, I think just something, this book just looks fun. It looks fun to me. It, it it looks, it just looks great. And I definitely will be, you know, I hope to read it soon. So, Seth? Yeah, this really takes me back to the, uh, the old days when you really knew a girl liked you when her parents sent her off to assassinate you. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I know we don't have a lot of time, so just remind me, guys, to tell you about, you know, just how my wife and I met, and if it wasn't for that kind of stumble and slip on my part, that dagger would have found my eye, but instead we fell in love, because thankfully I fall like an idiot, and it's funny. Well, I'm glad things worked yeah. out. <laughs> Thank you. You know, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm all over the place on this one because, yes, I think the trailer is a great, great just way of saying we stand behind this. And also to create a voice through that voice actor to, to say, hi, this is a different sounding mirror than you might yeah. have just heard in Aquaman. And if that can catch your attention, then here's a story that might also keep you turning the pages. It's got a young adult appeal. It's got intrigue. It's got a changing of the heart once you get to know someone. These are all elements that will draw in that audience. I thought it was, you know, presented successfully. And I think that, yeah, to echo Brad and Joe, what brings more people in is going to be a benefit. And not only that, but maybe along the way, through the creativity that we always find through these writers and artists, there can be some elements that can just not only strengthen, but add to the, uh, the mythos. Steve, what do you think? Uh, it's like you, you all said as well, the fact that this is going to entice young people to read. I mean, in this society, a video trailer can really drum up the kind of attention that standard marketing for books won't um that's the society we live in so it's a genius piece of marketing and having a 23 year old son and uh, uh i teach and i mentor uh, children and help them uh reset exams and help them with their english and stuff like that i know that this is a writer that's got a, a following amongst that audience already and then you get that gorgeous like you said subtle nuanced artwork that just looks a little bit aquatic it, it feels mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it's done in watercolors it's so gorgeous to look at and it's a graphic novel that's almost more like a prose book with illustrations like the stuff i grew up with the chronicles of narnia and and everything like that so the fact that this is going to get teenagers and youngsters interested in reading and then that might get them into the comics it's just really clever marketing uh, and something that i'm one hundred percent behind so this is a book like you said as well joe yeah I, I may not have picked it up 
but seeing the art and seeing that clever little trailer and hearing that voice yeah yeah i'm gonna pick this book up i really want to read it so kudos uh really 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 clever stuff so comic books in mind um I do want, again, for everyone to have a quick shout out of something you've read this week or if you read next week's books. We have had those um, yesterday, something that you want to give a shout out to. So, Brad, uh, I know this has come out of left field, but a comic you want to sing the praises of or something that's impressed you in the last few days? Uh, Heroes in Crisis. Uh, You know. It's not for everyone, it seems. I know even amongst the DC Comics news staff, it's been back and forth whether they liked it or not. But uh, I, I really like how Tom King is plotting it out with the little interview sessions cut in. It feels very cinematic. And although the plot has slowed down, I, I still like what I'm seeing. Joe? I think for me, I'm actually uh, trying to catch up on a couple of books. And I right now this week, I picked up issue five of Hex Wives um, for Vertigo. Uh, I haven't had a chance to read that book, but it's just something about that premise of, I mean, it's got witches. I mean, <laughs> all you have to say is it's, it's got witches, I'm sold. Um, anything occult, anything dark like that, I'm sold. So, you know, I, I haven't had a chance to really dive into it. So I'm going to catch up, read the first five issues, and hopefully it's great. Um, so hopefully I have good things to report. I don't know. Have you guys had a chance to read it? or? You know, it's on my list. Uh, I haven't. I, I, I did pick that one up as well, but I'm a few issues behind. So <laughs> it's hard to keep up, but I, I, I plan on getting to it this week. Okay. Yeah. Seth? Yeah, right now I've actually uh, been lucky enough to get the chance to review uh, the trade paperback for Justice League Dark Volume 1, Last Age of Magic. (laughs) And I can just say that there's there's an authenticity, just like we were talking about with Batman and Batwoman, that's required when you're talking about magic. And it's something that uh, holds true with Constantine, holds true with Swamp Thing. And from the first page that I read in this collection, and I hadn't actually had the chance to read Justice League Dark yet, so it's a great opportunity for me to to get in and catch up. There's a promise made about magic, and every page after that continues to fulfill and keep that promise. And that's something I'm really enjoying, and I'm looking forward to sharing my review next week. Thank you for that, Seth. I'm so happy because that, that's another new fan to a comic that should have a much larger readership than it does. Cause honestly it's brilliantly written again. It harks back to that old early vertigo end of comics code authority, Alan Moore, swamp thing, Jamie Delano, Hellblazer era of DC horror comics. And um, I can't wait for you to read the next volume. Cause Joe talked about it last week, issue seven of justice league dark, which was like a, uh, House of Secrets, House of Mysteries, or the old EC horror titles. Yeah. One issue of that is just stunning. You, and the art. It, you know, can, I'm sorry, can, can I just jump in real no, quick? No, go, go, go. Absolutely. So, so I remember I was, I forget, it might have been, I think it was either San Diego or WonderCon. But I actually asked uh, James Tinian a question um, when they were at the panel, and I asked him specifically about Justice League Dark. And I and I asked him, you know, we've just got a Justice League Dark movie that had Batman in it. 
uh, uh, the, the animated movie. And now we're going to have a new title that has Wonder Woman in it. And and I said, you know, don't get me wrong. I love these characters. I love Wonder Woman. I love Batman. I love all these characters. But will this book really give these characters an opportunity to, you know, come out of the shadow of those larger characters and really come and step in into their own? And I think, you know, what James said is like, you know, absolutely. That's that's one of the things, he, you know, he kind of wanted to use Wonder Woman as a entry point for the reader. Um, Wonder Woman is, you know, somewhat new to this world. So, you know, through her perspective, we get introduced to this world. And, and the fact that it's not, you know, that John Constantine isn't the, you know, the team lead or the focus point. He's in the book, but he, the fact that he's kind of off to the sides and, you know, comes in and out, I think that's what something that James was, he at least he felt that Constantine is best when he does that, when he's not necessarily, you know, leading a team, but rather just kind of, you know, chimes in here and there and jumps in. And kind of ruins things, pulls back, and it's kind of more of a you know I don't want to say a sideline character, but he's just not the the focal point. And I I think so far it works. I, like I said, I mentioned it last week, but this is definitely probably my favorite book out of the current run of titles right now, and I just can't say enough good things about it. So the fact that you brought it up again, I I, I think you know I hope our listeners really take it as a you know go read this book. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't mind me just uh, tagging on as well, you know something else that really that really caught me about this book were the characters that I came to love. If you guys remember Shadow Pact, uh, so many years back. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And you know the the fact that that I feel like it's almost though you can change all these other elements about the DC universe, but there are these through lines that maintain in the the magical side that that haven't changed and i feel like i'm in many ways picking back up with elements from shadow pact and that was something i was hesitant about coming into justice league dark about because back then that shadow pact story the the way i saw those characters i mean when detective chimp came back the during 52 i was the most happy person i mean (laughs) There were so many different things that worked for me when those characters were used correctly and when they were embraced and not just figures. And I've had hesitations coming back to because there's always that, oh, man, don't don't mess with my babies the way I, I like them and or the way that they, you know, are so perfect without being distorted in this way. And it's it's done nothing but make me grateful for turning each page. So happy to share, happy to, you know find that connection and, and feel like there's that, that through line within the magic. Awesome source. Yeah, absolutely. The thing you, you always find with anything that James Tynan writes is his level of research and how much he loves and respects what's gone before. He'll yeah. put his own fresh stamp on everything. Like Again, I thought Wonder Woman in the dark magic side of the DC universe, really? But mm-hmm. the way he's written it, it reads perfectly he's done his background research like i said shadow pact tracy 13 uh mm. detective chimp man bat uh characters you may never have put together before but then as soon as you throw in swamp thing constantine dr fate literally everything just smashes together into something that's absolutely beautifully horrific or horrifically beautiful or, or every mixture of everything that's in between and and that art um, I know they're my boys, uh, but Alvaro and um, Raul and, and the colour art by Brad. Mm. Oh, man. That trio is arguably my 
favourite team working in comics today. And I fell in love with them when they were working with James Tynan on Detective Comics. So as soon as I heard those three are going to do Justice League Dark, yeah, I, yeah. I'm in. Um, I, I was going to throw in, again, I was going to mention Heroes in Crisis. And, and guys, if you guys are reading Doomsday Clock, this week's coming out on Wednesday, oh. M-F-G. <laughs> oh, can't wait. That's can't wait. <laughs> all I'm going to say. Basically, it's Dr. Manhattan versus the DC Universe. Oh, yes. And I'll oh, leave it <laughs> right there. That's a massive toy box to play with. And on that note, uh, our final piece of news. We spoke about it last week. A little bit more of exciting stuff coming out from the mind, the magic of Mr. Todd McFarlane. Brad, um, what do you think about the latest news from McFarlane Toys on the DC range? You know, like you said, and no pun intended, but toy box. Yeah. Using the, the idea that Todd McFarlane can use the entire multiverse is a genius idea because there is so many different characters, so many different incarnations of the characters that they can use i i would i would love to see like i mentioned last week the batman who laughs but how cool would a scarecrow from the arkham games be as the tarred mcfarland toys with the <laughs> with the syringe nail yeah. like fingers and oh man that would be just fantastic so i can't wait to see what he does uh i it's, it's gonna be it's gonna blow our minds yeah i I'd love Todd McFarlane if he's definitely one of my favorite people in the uh, in the industry and to hear him talk about this uh, you know I, I don't know if you guys saw but today he actually if you guys don't follow him on Instagram or on social media please do mm-hmm. he's really entertaining he goes live a lot on on Instagram um, and especially with the uh, upcoming Spawn 300, he's just really excited about that. But as it pertains to DC, like today he actually posted uh, some of his artwork that he's done uh, for DC. And, you know, he talked about, you know, well, you know, would you guys like to see this? You know, some days kind of like, you know, just getting some feedback from from the public as to would you like to see McFarlane's version of Superman and, and Batman? And I know we talked about it last week, how there was that crossover between uh, Batman and Spawn. So the idea that, you know, we can have McFarlane's eyes, and I know he's not just limiting himself to that. Like he's very much open to anything. He's, he's trying to do what's best. He's really just trying to get, you know, his, his arms around, around this DC universe and really embrace it. So he doesn't just want it to be about himself, but you know, yeah, I, I, this is, I think this is going to be really special. The the fact that it's McFarlane and yeah. Yeah, he, he's so enthusiastic about it, yeah. too, which is so nice to see because there's going to be a lot of love put into it, and that's going to show. Yeah, he's definitely throwing ideas left and right. I mean, that's what he says. He's he's just throwing a lot of ideas at DC. Some of them are going to, you know, he doesn't he doesn't say that they're going to accept every idea, but you know, he's just let's just throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. And um, you know, I'm just really looking forward to it. I mean, I, I can't say that I'm going to buy like everything, but I mean, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, some really just incredible work coming out of this, uh, this partnership. Seth, what do you think? I'm reminded of, I was lucky enough a few months back to go to Hong Kong. And while I was there, I was, I was in one of these buildings and it's this crazy maze where you just walk up flights of stairs and there are so many different collectible figure stores. 
that some of them will have these giant panoramas, these like vistas of just 150, 300 characters sort of sloping upwards towards some sort of event or design. And I can just see this like row of characters, almost like a giant poster of uh, McFarlane's. And I'm doing my best to picture them, all the ones that have capes, because I feel like that's one of the first things that my mind would go to this, you know, how many different characters that I know of in the DC universe that have a cape that he can do something with in a way that I, I never would expect or to give that exaggerated flair. But also that earnest approach that was uh that was mentioned just a minute ago that that sense of that that joy you know that's coming into it and i feel that whenever someone's talking about how excited they are to be doing something it lets me know that that passion is already there there's there's not this sense of well it's a great opportunity and i couldn't say no that just tells me that it's money you know, but the desire that he points out, which is I could be doing five projects with five different groups right now, but I chose to focus and I chose that for a reason. Um, all of those things, uh, they give me that, I guess, that sense of, of belief in everything that he's doing and that sense of trust. I think that would probably be the best word. I have a great deal of trust in, in every uh, figure that he's going to be putting out and that 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 sense of I'm going to do the best that I can with this intention each time that he's already expressed. Just, it really emboldens me, but, uh, you know, Steven, I know I'm not alone here and I, I know you've got thoughts guys. Yeah. It's, it's like you say with, with Holland, cause I do follow him, uh, across social media. His level of enthusiasm is infectious. He is like us. He's a guy that literally loves what he's doing. He's a fan, first and foremost. This isn't a guy who's making toys because, yeah, that's a quick way to line his pockets. Maybe he isn't good luck to him because his toys are great. But this is a guy who loves what he's doing. And he's excited about the possibilities. And we as fans, as consumers, are excited by his excitement. I mean, how could you not be happy about a guy who puts so much passion and belief into what he's doing. And the fact that these ideas are falling out of his head and he doesn't know how many are going to be accepted. Well, I hope they all are because his toys are great. His imagination is great and good luck to him. I'm really, really happy about the whole thing. So Mr. McFarlane, I salute you. (laughs) As do I. (laughs) As do I. So that's it. Well, guys, thank you once again. Uh, I could talk to you, you guys all night, but it's approaching stupid o'clock here in London. Um, I know it's a little bit earlier in the different parts of the universe where you reside. So I will say now that uh, I've been Steve J. Ray and probably will be for a while if I'm really lucky. Uh, you can catch my reviews and uh, actor interviews across DC Comics News, our sister site, Dark Knight News, and if you just search Steve J. Ray on Google, that's probably the easiest way. Um, Brad, where can uh, people find your works? Uh, you can find me, my review of Black Lightning every week, and my news stories on DC Comics News. You can follow me on Twitter at bflicky1. Uh, that's B-F, like Frank, I-L-I-C-K-Y-1. Joe? Uh, yeah, so I write news on, you can find my news stories on uh, DC Comics News as well. 
And you can find me on Instagram at Joseph Marcus. And my Twitter actually got to uh, build on my Twitter, but hopefully I can get that up and running. It's the same thing at Joseph Marcus. That's M-A-R-C-A-S. And yeah, hopefully I can get that uh, up and running pretty soon. Uh, Seth? Yes, you can find my reviews on DC Comics News with the uh, smattering of articles here and there, as well as uh, Storytelling with Seth podcast if you enjoy listening to conversations about story. And on Twitter, I'm one more singleton, and I'd love to follow you back, so please let me know you're out there. Yeah, my Twitter is L Stevo, which is E L underscore S T E E V O. Uh, you can catch the DC Comics News podcast on all major podcast platforms. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. So get over there, subscribe, listen, love us, rate us, review us. Uh, we we need you. Uh, feed us and help us feed your imaginations. Uh, follow. DC Comics News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and Tumblr and YouTube at DC Comics News. Our sister site at DKNews.com. And as always, guys, what does everyone out there need to do? Brad? Read? More. Comics. And the mic is dropped. Nuttier than a sack full of squirrel poop.